0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 Podcast with Matt and Tommy live from Zandvoort. Post-race edition, post-buzz edition, post-podium edition, post-everything. My God, we had a banger. It hit. Don't want to talk about Ferrari just yet. We're going to keep it high. We're going to keep it positive. Yeah. And you are happy anyway so
1: yeah my wave actually is making the cut because it's the full podcast so yeah uh we just got back and well we'll get into it but amazing race and amazing experience as well just wow
0: just wow i think that's a a two word -word word right there (laughs) um now we usually start with our most memorable moments i have one and you have one but we both have one that we need to talk about first before we get into anything else we were under the podium well, not literally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We could see the podium. We were... It, if you look at it, we were kind of just off the right... No, as you look at it, I guess on the camera, it would have been on the left-hand side. Yeah. The Fernando Alonso side. Ha! Huh, yeah. Don't really know how that happened. Um. So, uh, well, I do, kind of. How we kind of... Uh, frauded our way in. So yes. we, we were lucky enough to have access on Sunday because of Daniel Ricciardo and his manager giving us access for Sunday. But unfortunately, they, of course, had to leave. But we still were like, well, we're going to go to the paddock, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and then some amazing people at Red Bull then allowed us to essentially watch the race from the energy station, well, their motorhome, basically, in the paddock. Yep. And then they came up and spoke to us and said, do you want to come to the podium with us? And I was like, <laughs> Yes, but it's funny because we were in two minds. Yeah, it was lap sixty four. It was red flag. It was about to bucket it down. Yeah, and we thought, well, we can't, we can't go straight away. So we waited a little bit, didn't we? We
1: we did. We kind of, yeah, we were like, oh, do we go? Do we not go? And then once Max had that little lead at the end, we were kind of, we ran. I I don't run for for a lot or anything really, but. For this experience, my God, I Tom was, was I was sprinting bolt. um, and yeah, I know we sound like a broken record with the whole like, "Oh my God, I can't believe it, but genuinely oh my the, God, the biggest yeah, the biggest buzz afterwards, just when I think like we've experienced everything and it just never gets old and that was you absolutely everything you, no well you, sit there you and, know what i mean i load up the p1 computer i've got i've experienced everything but but you know what i mean like th- that couldn't that wouldn't even be like a bucket list thing i never would imagine that could even happen and then the fact that yeah i mean you were on tv i was <laughs> right behind helmet marco i'll put some pictures on on twitter of it but like helmet marco was like Literally right in front of me. So when Max came and, like, hugged him and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm right there. There was, like, the king and queen of the Netherlands. There was, like, then, yeah, like, Fernando Alonso. We we were... I kind of lost you, but we were near-ish together because when Fernando came over and sprayed the champagne, we both did exactly the same thing, which was just, like... Opened our mouths. (laughs) 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 Which was basically, like, soak it in, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, I could not care less about getting sprayed with champagne. It was just, I was just like, on cloud nine, I was absolutely buzzing. It was like, this is
0: so surreal. There were so many people that were like, ah! And I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> I need to, Hit me with yes. more, Fernando, with your... Uh, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> but that was, yeah, just so surreal. So good. Like, just the whole thing, just to see what I usually see on television, happening in front of me yes. was just so so special um, so that is a moment I'll never forget Tommy will never forget, never forget. Um, and you will neither because we'll constantly remind you of, of what happened so, and this is off the back of a Charles Leclerc DNF so god imagine how happy I would have been if he'd have won the race god yep. that, I know. Would been, that would have been frightening
1: it was it was uh, quite the, the painful race for you but we're focusing
0: on the good times at the moment because we at finally had a banger I certainly did. Uh, So, why don't you start with your most memorable moment, part two. Part two. Uh, My
1: most memorable moment, part two, is the fact that finally, finally, we had the perfect level of rain in the race. Not just qualifying, the race, which I feel like has been a long time coming. You know, I guess we had that in Monaco, we had that brief rain shower, but we've had so many great qualifying sessions and we wanted the rain to hit, and there was rumours that the rain was gonna come at the start, and I think I said to you before the start of the race, I was like, it's gonna happen just before the race, and then they'll abandon the start. But it was so good that they actually started the race, and then it came, so they didn't have the time to kind of go, oh no, actually, we're gonna change the start procedure.
0: I will give the FIA benefit of the doubt, actually, as well on that, because it did start to chuck it down as, as the, the final formation lap. Was, yeah. was coming up on the grid. So they could have made the decision of going, mm, we're going to abort the start, this is a bit crazy, dry tyres, wet, wetish track. But yeah, as you say, it, it hadn't hit no. hard enough that they had to make that decision. It was perfection. Was
1: there any more... Have you ever been more hyped for a race than... Because obviously the fact that we were there, hear the crowd, we could see some of the cars obviously watching it as well, and then looking out the window and seeing... We all know, we all experience it, like the buzz of a race start. There's nothing like it in Formula One. But then to look out the window and it'd be chucking it down and they're all on dry tyres, it's like, it's happened. Finally, it's happened.
0: Now, we were watching, you know, as I say, in the in the, in the Rebel Motorhome Energy Station, and our commentary wasn't... I couldn't quite hear it massively well. No. But I felt as though they hadn't really realised that it was raining. No. At least that was my impression. Maybe I was wrong with that. But uh, I was a bit surprised that there wasn't more being made of that start because of the fact that we were look, literally looking out the window and going, it's that's raining hard.
1: Yeah, exactly. It wasn't until they got to that final uh, section, I think they call it the stadium section, before the banking, um, when they came round on the first lap, having done the previous lap and it had been bone dry, got round there again, and it was absolutely, you know, you know, Yeah, you needed the wet tyres straight away. Although, for some reason, not everyone decided to come into the pit straight away. Even though, I guess from our side, it seemed very clear that they needed the the
0: wet (laughs) tyres.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know
0: if there's a specific question on this, so let's just kind of talk about, I guess, the beginning and the the choices that the teams made and the drivers made. I was surprised to not see more teams dive into the pits. Um, But as I kind of alluded to in funniest tweets, it was. I guess there might have been a, a, a thinking from some of the teams that one, it's a very narrow, chaotic pit lane. If you just go one extra lap, you might actually like, for example, when Max did it at the Spa, yeah. where he he went, I could go an extra lap, even though to be fair, that was that wasn't.
1: It was the sprint. Yeah, but, yeah. but that
0: was was that between two different sets of wet wet tires. I feel like, or, or I can't remember exactly who where they were going on from and to because I am literally. Blasted. but um, <laughs> And I'm glad you, you can't remember either. But um, but Max went an extra lap. Yeah, And did, yeah. that's similar to, I guess, what maybe some of the teams thought this time round was, oh, we'll go an extra lap. And also, if it was just a flash, one lap flood, not flood, but, you know, rate downpour, but then it stops, the teams that have pit for intermediates all of a sudden would then have to pay, make another stop and go on to the softs because we saw that weather unfold where it was a flash flood and then there wasn't too much rain after that. So it did dry out eventually. But... I think it was a case again, as, as I mentioned uh, in funny tweets, was around maybe the teams just looking a little bit too hard at their rain radar and not looking at what was actually happening in real life.
1: Exactly, because we could see, as plebs watching on the television, not having all the data, not being you know incredible race strategists and stuff, we could see like as soon as Perez pitted and he came out, we were like, well, he's he's going to lead by an absolute country mile now because it was so wet that, yeah, it's a weird situation in Formula One and we've had this so many times where if you get it right, you look like a hero. If you get it wrong, you look stupid. But I can kind of forgive the people that came in on the second lap because, like you say, maybe it worked out, but it was very clear from that second lap that Sergio Perez, and what we saw with Perez, that you're going to make up so much time straight away that even if it had dried in five laps, you were so much quicker that you'd made the pit stop back up because Perez was so far in the lead.
0: It was an outrageous amount of time that Perez made up. um, And yeah, it worked out beautifully for him at that time. And we thought he'd definitely be on for a podium, right? I can't believe
1: that That, it it almost felt like before Max started reeling him in, it was like, Paris
0: is going to win this race. Yeah, Yeah. that's literally what I thought. And then uh, Max caught him at three seconds a lap. Question from at McSwagger89. Was this the best race of the year so far? Changing conditions, opposite strategies and a new podium sitter. Oh, easily. Easily. This was a, I don't know if I'm going to class it a stone cold banger, but like it was a banger. Like, it was. It was Brilliant. very enjoyable to watch. A lot of varying emotions, especially on my side. Um, and yeah, it was it was exciting, especially at the end. You had the red flag. You had a, a shootout at the end. You, you're wondering, is Alonso going to win this race potentially and take it to Max? Um, but but yeah, it was certainly the best race of the year, in my opinion.
1: And Max still won. And it shows that is some, this is something we said after the sprint race in Austria, that don't get me wrong um you know we want to see different winners and stuff but that race again like the Austrian sprint race proved that even if Max does win you can still have banging races because I think the the problem hasn't been just that Max is dominating we've just kind of lacked a bit of action in a lot of the races as well whereas this showed that Max still won but it was an unbelievable race. There was so much action happening all the time from start to finish. So many overtakes, we were constantly going like, this is Zandvoort, we're having so many overtakes. And then, of course, um, as I mentioned in my three-hour race review, the perfect amount of rain there, but we also were lucky enough to have rain
0: again at the end, which is just amazing. Certainly was. At Slosh 4000, do you think there will be another race that will top this one in terms of action and, inc- and excitement? I hope it's so. To, it's hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be like, right, well, we've had Sandfolk. Perfect. See you next year. Like, we need to have a few more uh, bangers. I think that I think the F1 season's got one better one in it. Yeah. That's what I'd like to think. I reckon I said, that was like an 8, an 8.5. Yeah, it wasn't a 10. No. It wasn't a Germany 2019. 19, yeah, kind those kind of crazy. absolute carnage sort of races. But... It, was, it will take it. We will take this, We will take it. We will take this. And it delivered on a Sunday, not just a Saturday. Uh, Seneke6, just wondering about the full wet tyres. When will they ever be used, if not now? Gutted for Ocon, the wet tyre choice seemed to be the right one. That's very interesting. You know, we, we were watching, weren't we, and, and Ocon, we saw him on the wets so and we went, oh, that's a, that's a bold move. And then a typhoon came in. Yeah. And you think, actually, he's on to something here. But the problem is... If you get to wet weather conditions, it's a it's a red flag. It's a safety car. Someone aquaplanes off. Because it's in, it, we've spoken about this before, but Formula One's in such a weird sort of mode, status at the moment with these wet weather tyres, where the intermediates are the fastest tyre in almost every bit of weather, uh, wet weather condition, apart from when it's aquaplane time and then it's wet weather tyres. But the problem is, no one wants to pit off the intermediate tyres. So when Ocon made that decision it was the right one to do obviously but you can't really reap the rewards because if that race carries on Ocon wins by everyone else aquaplaning into the into the gravel
1: well exactly the wet tyres were the right choice because even Max came into the pits to put the wet tyres on because it was so extreme but yeah this is the problem you never because the conditions are so bad uh, for the wet tyre now you're never, like you say, you're never going to get the rewards from taking that gamble because it would just be red flagged. And what I will say is it is annoying and I get the frustration that, you know, we get a lot of this, don't we, that's like, oh, what's the point of wet tyres? But that was that was like a lottery. It was so wet that I can totally understand why they red flagged it. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, if it was less bad... And yeah, you know, I would have liked it to carry on with with the the wet tires and stuff, but it did just get to the point where everyone was just going to skate off, and it would just be like potluck rather than enjoyable, I guess. Mm. Um, and I can see why why they made that choice. That doesn't mean it isn't frustrating that you know the the wet tires don't really get get used anymore. And they don't
0: really work either. No, they don't. Because Ocon, work. despite I suppose. Those conditions, I seem to remember looking at its his interval and he still wasn't it was, gaining wasn't much time. It. Obviously, it was safer for him because it can clear w- more water, but none of the drivers wanted to try the, the wet tyres. So it's, it's something that has to be fixed because otherwise we're just going to have that every single time where the intermediates will run and then someone will bin it and then it'll be a red flag. And it's a shame. But we, we've spoken about this before. We've spoken about the spray problem as well. Um, but thankfully for us, and for the fact we got that last 7-8 laps of racing, was the fact that Zandvoort drains very well, and... If that was Spa, we were no, no way we were finishing No race. chance, no chance um, at all. Um, so yeah, the forward tyres need to be fixed so that they're actually usable, and they're quick enough that the drivers actually want to go on them. Definitely. At Lucas Pobis, do you think McLaren will sometimes learn what to do in the rain? Oof. Yeah, I mean, it's it's savage, but it's also a little bit true. Um, Russia, I, I've said I can forgive Lando for doing that because I think we've already spoken about the fact that if Lando had pit for intermediates, Lewis Hamilton would have carried on and stayed on the drives. Like that was something that... It was a do-the-opposite of Lando. It yeah. was a 50-50 gamble. This one... You had the team radio again, didn't you, where... McLaren said, can you stay on these tyres or whatever, something to that degree. And then Lando was like, yep. Yeah. You know, and it was like a confident call of we're going to stay out. And it was the wrong call. It absolutely killed his race at that point.
1: I can't forgive them for for that. Like I, like I said earlier, second lap, fine. Everyone realised Perez is flying. You need to pit because you're gaining so much time. By lap three, yes, OK. They said to Lando, didn't they? oh, I reckon that's it for the rain, it might dry out, but the level of wetness of the track was so bad that it it, it was so, in that situation, even if it had stopped raining right that second, Perez could have built up that lead, everyone that had built up that lead, Pitted for drives again, And still had the advantage. You were never going to get the advantage of staying on the soft tyres. And yeah, we'll get into Ferrari later. But it's all right laughing at 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 Ferrari. But I think McLaren. It's all right laughing
0: at Ferrari, is it? Well, uh, sorry. Tell me
1: more. (laughs) Everyone laughs at Ferrari, but I think you know McLaren and Mercedes had an absolute shocker with their their decisions. Um, And I imagine you know it's not going to be memes of like clown pit walls for like Mercedes and McLaren but you know if that was Ferrari there would be because I can't believe they made that that decision it was completely completely wrong and cost um you know what might have been for, for Lando really and for
0: George as well for George, let's not forget yeah. because those two were fighting for the lead on lap three and they were yeah. George pulled off a great move on soft tyres in a very wet track and then George of course came over the team radio as well and said you know I was forecast a podium. How the hell did this sort of happen? Then he, to be fair, drove a great recovery drive, did George, and then got a puncture from a very minor tap from Lando Norris uh, once again. So, yeah, strategy-wise, very strange. It's it's almost like, you know, when you play F1 Manager and you go, (laughs) for example, when I did a... a, 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 I went up against Tiamat Marduk, Ben and and Brake, and we all played the same Suzuka scenario where it was really wet and we all chose the wrong tyre. And we just went, Now we're going to stick with it. Now we're, we're just going to carry on and see if this gets better. It literally felt like that from McLaren and Mercedes where they've gone, well, this was not correct. Now let's pray it drives. Yeah, like, we've started
1: than... this. Let's just carry on. And you think than... Formula
0: One teams are so data-driven. You look at that Perez sector in comparison to Verstappen or whatever, and you go, wow, this is a pit stop in a lap, a yeah, lap and yeah, a half. Yeah, exactly. So it was a mistake. And and look, it is fine margins in Formula 1, it is split-second decisions, but the problem is this is what they are trained for, this is what they're supposed to act upon. And I think when they look in the debrief, I think George will have some stern words to say to his team, Lando perhaps as well. But yeah, it was, uh, because you think the other way around, you go, I've Lando pit on the first lap. If George pit on the first lap, they would have been leading.
1: Well, Zhou Guan Yu was running second yeah. at, at the, you know, great strategy from, from Alfa Romeo to, to do that. And that does feel like a case of, you know, they've gone, ah oh, it's raining, get them in the pits, rather than like some teams. Yeah, like it does feel like they get too caught up in, in data rather than what everyone can see at home and going, well, Perez is going to win this race now because he's going to gain so much time. Um, and yeah, it was clearly the, the right choice to pit as early as
0: possible. Right, my most memorable moment, part two. And it's not a, it's not a positive memorable moment, because it's Charlotte Clare's first pit stop. Yes. I... I don't know what to say, really. Um, it was of course charles' decision to pit yep. he called it um, and some might say yeah it was a, it was a last minute decision but they were they were there like like when when it starts to rain surely they are there with tires ready right that's what you'd think is it is raining it's slippery out there let's get ready with my tire and there's four of them to run out and potentially box. Why on earth has Ferrari prepared for a pit stop without the tyres?
1: Yeah. There's...
0: And not changed his front wing. So not only is he sat there waiting for them to have tyres ready, the front wing end plate is hanging off. Not if hanging off, it's gone. And they're like, "No, nah. Don't see anything wrong with that, mate. Or you can carry on. So they change the tyres and let him go. They don't change his front wing.
1: Yeah, it's shocking. Um yeah, the picture you put up on, on Twitter of it is quite something seeing literally the wheel guns ready to go and there's no tire. It looked it looked like an F1 game glitch. <laughs> that like the, the wheel guns are there, ready to go. Like, yeah, let's change the tire and there's no tires. Yeah. Like like they're they're all ready to go. Um and yeah, this this is where, you know, this is why there are memes about, about Ferrari. Of all the teams, of course it's Ferrari. And of, of course, course it's Charles Leclerc. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so. so, yeah, that was that was really difficult to watch. But the problem, not the problem, the, the, the saving grace of that was that, despite that, he was still fourth when it all shook out. Yeah. Like, he was still in the mix, and I'm thinking, we're going to have a good race. But the problem is, he didn't have a front wing, particularly. And then he fell back, and then he had... More damage, I think, as had well. floor, had floor damage, floor damage from it, and, yeah. So. And it's just, it's just painful to to watch, to endure, to experience. And a question from Crickadict Ninad: Charles and Ferrari, who is at fault more? Ferrari, in my opinion. That being said, I am not going to excuse mistakes that have crept in and have been appearing quite often for Charles Leclerc this year. Of course, crashing in qualifying. Uh, Again, And for me, you know, I'm an average watcher, listener. Uh, I'm a, you know, not a fanboy, whatever, of Charles Leclerc. Something's not harmonious about this now. It was in 2022, he was firing. He was looking like the second best driver on the grid behind Max Verstappen. He was performing. We're now into this year and it is quite clear that the car is not good enough. It's unpredictable. You just watch on boards from this weekend. The Ferrari was was not great. But there's something that has now just sort of come ajar with, I think, the mentality between Leclerc and Ferrari and how they work together. Carlos Sainz, on the other hand, I think he had an amazing race. I genuinely yeah. was so impressed with how Carlos drove this weekend. And that was off the back of a P1 interview. So you can all shut up. The curse is not real. Um, so it then bodes the question, right, if Carlos can do that kind of drive, why is Charles not able to, to maybe deliver as much as that? And it's difficult. It really is difficult to pinpoint because he does have great weekends occasionally, but I feel like he's having less of them now than perhaps we got used to seeing with Charles and, and sort of outperforming the car.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, science has leapfrog Leclerc in the standings now. And, yeah, it, it's a it's basically what we said yesterday that he needs to just kind of have consistent races but i'd like to see a, another replay because you know classic we're recording this straight after the, the the race and of course when you're there you don't consume it as much but yeah it looked like a kind of was it piastri that he collided with i think uh, on the on the opening lap um it wasn't like a huge huge incident but we know now as soon as your floor's damaged it's pretty much game over and my god like it was painful to watch they actually you know to be fair to ferrari despite the whole tire scenario they got the strategy right really for getting the cars in early and they were running all right just didn't put the tires on (laughs) but but
0: they still came
1: out even despite that
0: we need i think we need to box i think that's the right decision okay cool okay he's in the box now now what happens
1: but it does just show (laughs) that like even with that mistake, he was actually running quite high up, which showed yeah. what an advantage you got from pitting early. I got.
0: Yeah, just me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and yeah, it's it's just pain, isn't it? It's just constant pain.
0: Yep. Monza's next week. What could possibly happen? Mm. We will find out.
1: Yeah, but yeah, Leclerc, like like you say, there is something that's a bit more broken with with that. It's weird actually, because you know, there's a lot of rumors that Carlos Sainz might go to Audi and leave and but at the moment it looks like Charles is the the driver that kind of seems more l- not likely to break away but like upset with Ferrari and you wonder how long that can last like you know like a Fernando Alonso or or when he you know kind of got fed up and decided you know it's time to go even when he had a an all right ish car um it just got got too much and it was time to to move on so yeah it's um painful to hear because we wanted Charles to bite back at ferrari and boy did he do that this weekend with some of the radio messages but then at the same time when he does that we kind of go oh this is a bit awkward like it's not it's not gelling is it
0: yeah, I don't think we caught any team radio after his pit stop. Um, no, I'm sure it was. I'm sure there was something uh, to behold. Uh, that probably wasn't used. pressing the radio button, but swearing in his, in yeah, his helmet. Potentially. Uh, he did that, obviously, before, didn't he, in France when he crashed and didn't realise his team radio button was on. <laughs> yeah. um, let's move on from Ferrari now, shall we? Because uh, I think that's, that's enough on that one. Uh, mm. I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point somehow. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Oh, I love life. At Kev1 underscore LT. What is wrong with Mercedes? Slow pit stops? Strategy on Ferrari level? Where is the eight-time world champion team? Indeed. Well, they're known, aren't they, for their... Well, previously known for their bulletproof, reliability, strategy, executing... Make the
1: best out of any situation. They didn't
0: really do that.
1: No. um, Hamilton somehow got an all right result considering it was like an absolute... um, yeah chaotic race for him but yeah they should have had uh should be on the podium you know we predicted them to to do very well and they were looking good like it's not like the car was bad it's actually a weird one for for mercedes where they pride themselves like we were saying on the fact that they always deliver the maximum from a race weekend but actually this was the the complete opposite where they left a lot of you know points on the table they certainly mistakes. did.
0: Yeah, with Hamilton obviously missing out in qualifying due to some blocking, which I don't think you can blame too much on the Mercedes team as Sandvoy. It's a short yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Um but of course he finished sixth in the end and, and George looked like he was on for a reasonably good result until he had that, that small puncture. So I, I would say absolutely there was a missed opportunity here. I'm not gonna go as far as saying Mercedes are completely washed and they've you know, they've lost all strategy, you know, perfection, all that. I think it was just a, a case of some unfortunate circumstances rather than them making catastrophic calls apart from obviously the George Russell and leaving him out Hamilton how long did he stay out for? He He
1: stayed out longer as well and then kind of had a go at his team saying why didn't they pit earlier and I I do think yeah yeah, Mercedes they they were like McLaren one of those teams where you are just like just pit
0: and he started on mediums as well didn't he Hamilton I feel like or hard. he should have
1: just got rid of them immediately and just gone for gone for the Inters and
0: it's interesting that they didn't at least split it, you know, especially with Hamilton, yeah, right? Yeah, gamble when, with Hamilton on the first lap, behind, surely. Yeah, and maybe they, they were so hooked into, oh, but we're on medium, so we want to go long, I don't know. But yeah, I, to be fair, not going to go on a, too much of a roast, as I say, of Mercedes, because it was just a blip and uh, a moment of, I would say, um, not choosing the right decision, uh, but at the same time, a massive missed opportunity, I would say, for them to, to get on the podium and and perhaps even take the challenge to max.
1: Yeah, yeah, they could have been the next best team, um, but, well, a certain Fernando Alonso made sure that didn't happen with another brilliant drive.
0: It's amazing. I'm like, I'm not going to go roasting Mercedes as I'm wearing, obviously, a Mercedes top, but also the fact that anything is better than what Ferrari have uh, managed to achieve. So I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as as <laughs> as bad as Ferrari. Yeah, I
1: know. Um, but, yeah, they, they had a, a shocker on, on strategy and... Yeah. It's a it's a rare a rare thing with with Mercedes, but mm. yeah, they, they did not execute a, a very good weekend. Certainly didn't, but Hamilton
0: still finished 6th, so uh, and just beat, somehow. was it Lando over the line? I think it was. I think they were yeah, separated by, zero by like two. Hundredths of a second or something, which is crazy. But we didn't see that. Didn't see that at all, did we? Um no. <laughs> let's now talk about Liam Lawson, who finished 13th, and a question from I'm anonymous 352. Do you think Liam did as good as everyone is saying? Or was it more luck-based? Now, I will not accept any slander of Liam Lawson's performance. If there's anyone out there that said he should have performed better or it was lucky, you need to get in the bin. Like, place yourself into a bin and close the lid. (laughs) Because there is not a harder race that someone could have had than Liam Lawson. Not just that, a harder weekend. One practice session, which was wet, then you had qualifying, and then you had the race, which was changeable conditions. It was dry, it was wet, it was dry, it was wet again.
1: Like apocalyptic rain, yeah. where you can so easily slide off when we saw Joe Yu, we saw Bottas, we saw, I think Hamilton went off as well. Like, you know, all, all these drivers that that made mistakes and Lawson kept it on the road. Like, fair effing play we Liam would have Wilson.
0: accepted him binning it we'd have gone well yeah obviously inexperienced difficult well incredibly difficult conditions um, and and he finished 13th he beat Yuki Sonoda somehow yeah one now, thing I'm not going to say oh, he was go quicker go on, than yeah. Yuki but let, go on carry on
1: I was going to say well you, I think you were going to say exactly the same thing and you know this is not just me the Yuki fanboy but they messed his strategy up completely because Yuki was having a brilliant race he was up in fourth at one point and I was like we're we going to get Yuki Snow to podium and Alpha Tauri. You know, we're we're talking about a lot of bad strategies, which I think does just show that how difficult it is to make because you make a wrong call and you you know you look stupid, or you make a right call and you look like a genius. But Alpha Tauri really threw away a great result for Yuki because it sounded like he was really wanting to pit, and then as soon as he was you know out in eleventh, still weren't changing his tires and he was running really well so it's a shame so I don't want to say that Liam Lawson had a good job like did a good job because like Yuki was bad Yuki definitely didn't have a a bad race he was unlucky um, but that's not to say Lawson was lucky to to finish that race at all is you know an amazing job when it threw everything at him and yeah a brilliant a brilliant performance in such tricky conditions
0: Absolutely. So well done, Liam Lawson, for that one. And uh, maybe you can build on and have a, a, an easier weekend in Monza uh, where it's a lot uh, more simple of a track and potentially more simple weather conditions as well. At Piaf Claire comes in with the next question, which is not a question, apparently, but kindly requesting a Pierre Gasly and Carlos Signs appreciation section for this episode, we've already appreciated Carlos Sainz. Yeah. But let's appreciate Pierre Gasly. Um, fantastic drive. He just has these moments, these races, where he just pops up in, a, in an Alpine that I, I think is fair to say is very bang average. And to drive in those conditions uh, to that degree and to actually get a podium is amazing. It's, it's unbelievable because especially when you think that we have been saying that it's Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren and Ferrari Ferrari (laughs) God you've just you've
1: just shut them out of your mind but we're saying
0: those five teams lock out the top ten right and then Pierre Gasly gets a podium it's a sensational drive from him and again just shows that there is a lot of talent and a lot of potential within him it just doesn't seem to come week in week out in Alpine at the moment
1: no someone actually mentioned on, on Twitter that we've in at both Alpine podiums because we're in Monaco and Ocon got the podium and now Gasly's got the podium in so there we go Alpine Alpine. where do you want
0: to fly us out to next Monza (laughs) come on I'll take it
1: but brilliant drive from Gasly um yeah just delivered in very very tricky conditions made the right the right call to get up in that position and executed a brilliant a brilliant race and um or the Pierre Gasly fan that we met at our meetup that basically jokingly had a go at me and said, I'm annoyed that you're um, predicting the biggest flop, you're welcome because I did say that it would jinx him, and of course, uh, he goes and gets a podium. I do, well like, done,
0: I do like how we disguise having absolutely no wheel knowledge as anti jinxing or jinxing, yeah, yeah, whatever. Let's just you know, pretend, know what I mean? right. yeah, 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 we know lots of wheel. Um, So, well done, Pierre Gasly, and well done to Carlos Sainz. Both incredibly impressive performances. Uh, Next question is, off-the-grid f one zero zero. Is Logan Sargent going to keep his seat, or will Toto be having a word with James Vowles about taking Mick for a year? Well, it's depending on whether James Vowles was saving Logan Sargent's face a little bit by saying that he had Mm. a hydraulic issue, or whether he actually did. Uh, I'm going to take James's word for it and say that Logan, of course, had a a problem with the car. but then Logan, of course, did crash in qualifying as well. So that's not ideal for the team to have that much damage in one weekend, uh, especially from one driver. Um, but it was still... I would, I'm not going to say it was a bad weekend for Logan because it was it was looking all right. He was showing some kinds of pace. But I guess when you then put it into the realms of comparing it to Alex Albon, Williams have got a good car. So it's, it's, it's hard for us to look past Williams being a rubbish car and Logan's doing well. But you have to look at then what Alex is achieving and going, is it good enough?
1: Yeah, it's a weird one because, you know, like you say, we're, we're all singing Lego Sargent's praises because he got, he made it into Q3. Unfair and fair play. And fair play, but then he's really far behind Alban. And, you know, we were roast, we, we were all roast Nicholas Latifi for doing that, but he made it into Q3. Um, the goat. The goat. So, look. This it's a difficult one to to judge. Um, I think Albin's having an exceptional year. He's and Logan is a rookie. This one is really difficult to judge because, like you say, if I hadn't have heard you, you mentioned it to me that you know James Val said it, then I'd have just gone, well, he's made a mistake again because it did look like he almost took too much curb and then just spun off, but. Um apparently, you know, it was um a car, a car issue. So um we'll just have
0: to take that as gospel, I guess. Gospel. Absolutely. <laughs> F1 teams, they don't ever say anything other than the truth. Mm. Okay, then let's now go to our predictions that we made for the week and begin with Biggest Good Surprise. Now I thought I was on to an absolute corker after qualifying, and then pain happened for George Russell. Uh, so, zero points. Oof.
1: Um, yeah, and this one, I went for Alpha Romeo. Now, there was a funny bit in the race, actually, where <laughs> we were joking, because I think in the predictions, when I picked a team, we both at the same time joked that that means Joe Yu will win, and Bottas will finish last. And there was a point in the race where Joe Guanyu was second and Bottas was about 18th. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. But, <laughs> um, yeah, getting for Alfa Romeo, because... Joe was running extremely well he was you know up at the front the medium tire looked like an unusual choice but you know could have maybe gone to the end but yeah he he dropped like a, a stone and then of course when it absolutely threw it down he he slid off and it's a mistake of course but it is also easily done because the car is just you're just a passenger at that point. Perez did it, of course. Um, Bottas did it, but managed to keep it out the wall. Hamilton did it, but kept
0: it out the wall. Um, so, yeah, unfortunate for Joe. Zero points. Mm. Biggest flop then. I went for Oscar Piastri. He finished P9. Can't really claim no. that too much. Uh, it wasn't a great weekend for McLaren, considering their run of form and, and where they had been looking, especially Lando up in P2. Um, but still scored points and, yeah, it's not quite flop.
1: No. And you
0: went for... I went for Pierre Gasly. And he got a podium. Yeah, I think that's my worst prediction of the year. Yeah, by far. There we go. So, well done. Pole position, we both went for Max Verstappen. So, ding, ding, one point. Well done. And then my top three, I went for Verstappen win and I got that point. Come on. Then I went for George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. That did not happen.
1: No, and I went for Max Verstappen to win... Uh, which he got of course and Norris and Hamilton which if it had been a dry race I think uh, a lot of us well would have predicted that Norris would have got that p2 but alas their um their strategy
0: was was terrible certainly was and then our one crazy prediction mine was no safety cars and there certainly was a safety car
1: yep and my prediction was that everyone would finish and that didn't happen no um, we we we're kind of joking that we've gone for a very pessimistic prediction and we ended up with actually a very, very good race, which is nice. Um, yeah, I'm very glad welcome. for
0: those to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. We will happily take two points, and both of them being Max Verstappen, winning, qualifying, and winning the race. That was what we essentially got our points for this week. That's the only thing.
1: So. We sure did. One thing that I've realized that is not in the sheet because we didn't have any questions on it, but we do, and we will obviously talk about him anyway in the drive ratings, and this is my fun, boys, I'm coming out, but we've not really mentioned Fernando Alonso at all, because there are no questions about him, but I do think we just need to mention... Yes. ..how that man is doing this year when, you know, I am not shy of saying that I don't think Stroll is uh, a top driver, but he was way down the order, and Fernando Alonso in that Aston Martin which didn't look in dry running in particular like it was a particularly great car. That was a Fernando Alonso drive that you're just like, he's still got it. Changeable conditions. There were moments where he looked like he was gonna challenge Max for the win at the end, which was insane. He was catching him at some points and then fell back towards the end. But Fernando is just, he's having such an unbelievable year. Can't be said enough. Seven podiums in an Aston Martin when Dare I say, you know, sometimes it's not even been the fourth or fifth best car, and you know, his teammate's not got a single podium, and he's got seven and is not comfortably third now. But obviously, pulled a bit of a gap on Hamilton in third in the title. Just what a legend! Well, you Nando. got to give you got to give Fernando
0: Alonso's teammate um, a bit of slack because he is a he is a tennis player, so
1: <laughs> apparently. So yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with those rumors, but yeah, shocking from. From Stroll, but just got to praise Fernando because it's, it's an exceptional drive again.
0: Certainly is. Fernando, unreal, especially at the start as well. He was looking so quick, he was so aggressive. He got up to P2 in changeable conditions. This man, like, he's well into his 40s. Everyone's like, the biology, you know, your reactions get slower. Those kind of conditions are where your reactions need to be on point. And Fernando showed some incredible racecraft, Uh especially to, to go low on turn three, yeah. to get past George Russell, which technically was slower. But he knew if he just got a nose through and George might struggle on the outside with how it was getting a little bit damp and just chuck himself in front of it. That's what he did. And uh, yeah, amazing. And then he flew past um, Norris as well, didn't he? Which was uh, amazing to see. Well yeah, done, Fernando. Still got it. He still certainly has got it. How long will he go for? That's the question we all. Forever, want. please. Yeah, forever and ever. Right, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this wonderful podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Sorry if we've missed anything, or if there's anything obvious in the broadcast or whatever that we that we may have missed. We've of course just come back here after watching it, you know, and not really hearing the commentary too well. Um, and we just wanted to talk about the po- uh, the race. So we will go into more detail when we once we've been able to sort of soak up what's gone on in the race in the driver ratings which will go out on Tuesday so look forward to that and uh, yeah Tom Bellingham final thoughts
1: final thoughts are thank you Zandvoort for delivering a banger and just all the lovely people that came and said hello and just uh, made it a weekend or week we've been here since Tuesday a week to remember like yeah it's been an incredible week and we've enjoyed it so much
0: Oh, beautiful. A truly special week. Thank you, everybody, uh, who've come and said hello to us. It's been amazing to meet you all over this weekend. And uh, yeah, uh, even if you've just sent us a message because you're buzzing for us f- to be out here and to experience some of the stuff, we do read each and every one of them and uh, we appreciate it massively. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you very soon for another piece of content. Bye! Bye! bye 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 bye
1: P1 is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part?